2: For those who celebrate, Merry Christmas to you. We hope all you listeners have been enjoying all the holidays this month with your two and four legged friends and family. On this very merry HRM episode, we are joined by host of Horse Tip Daily, Coach Jen, to learn about fox hunting and why the OTTB is her horse of choice. We get a sneak peek into Natalie Keller Reynard's co host of Adulting with Horses podcast, if that name sounds familiar, her new book, The Makeover Horse. And we wrap this episode up with a bow with new vocations, bringing you a training tip and our adoptable horse of the week. Stay tuned.
3: And they're off on Retired Racehorse Radio, the podcast that is your guide to the adoption, care and training of the retired racehorse.
2: This is Joy in Detroit, Michigan.
1: And this is Kristen Kovach-Bentley in Jamestown, New York. You're listening to Retired Resource Radio.
2: Kristen, it is Christmas Day by the time listeners are hearing this, although it is a few weeks ahead of time. So we're in all the the holiday fuss period. (laughs) The
1: fuss. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) All the
2: fuss. (laughs) You're wrapping up with work stuff, end of year stuff. You're trying to think about what you want to do for next year. Trying to remember you didn't forget anyone on your holiday gift list my biggest mm-hmm. stressor it's like i've been very like relaxed this year about holiday yes. shopping there is no formal list
1: correct so. i'm with you on that one yeah yeah like my mom will we go to visit my parents and she a couple of years ago was like no gifts let's just spend time together and i was like i love that let's do that and then uh eric's family does like a gift exchange like draw a name in a loop kind of secret Santa thingy. Oh, it's except it's not a secret. So it's just a Santa thingy, I guess. But yeah. So you only have to worry about a gift for one person and there's no need to like go nuts trying to gift everyone. I so. kind of
2: like that. That's actually really fun. And I think you should call it not a secret, secret Santa.
1: Yeah. Like op- open Santa. I don't, I don't know, know, know if we should say that. No, maybe not. That's. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, actually, this uh, this episode's coming out late enough. I can tell you, I am uh, back to knitting again. So I am uh, knitting Hi. my gift. So because I'm really trying to embrace like the handmade Christmas, don't buy things, uh, which I is really easy to do that. when you only have to give a gift to one person.
4: <laughs> so. I
1: am only talented in food things, and that is hard
2: to ship. So I try to shop small businesses as much as I can. So your gift is coming from a small business, which I'm actually really excited about your gift. It's small, but I think it's very sentimental. So I'm excited for you to get that.
1: Uh, yeah, actually, by now, you maybe will have received your gift, um, depending on how well my baking goes. So this is like a fun time travel thing, right? Like we're recording yes. this in early December. So you will know by the time this episode comes out. Listeners, she doesn't know yet. And I don't know yet either if the baking thing I want to send her is going to work. So
2: yeah, we'll find out.
1: But and yeah, it's really fun. hasn't
2: shipped yet. so. We'll Excited. If I'm your package is stolen or if UPS fails me.
1: Yeah. We'll this see. is like one of the weird things I've done, like because it's wintertime and I have a little more free time and the days are very short and the nights are very long. Uh, so I'm like yes. trying to just sort of embrace, like, well, you're familiar with that Swedish Scandinavian concept of huka where it's like, yeah, things cozy. So I have started a sourdough starter and the best part of Sourdough starter is if it works, you get to name it, and everyone always names them something very punny. So, like in the Facebook group I'm in, there's a lot of like Bready Mercury, oh, um, it's fun, Breadward Cullen, Frodo Baggins, Cullen. stop. I love it. <laughs> so, we're gonna like,
2: go for the best. <laughs> I like almost like walked away. It's just, like that's so funny. It's just, like, okay, well, the if ultimate it works bread well, dad joke. Yeah, so I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I'm gonna manifest
1: that it goes well. I hope <laughs> so. it goes well. Yeah. Or yeah, you'll get something else. So yes. either way, listeners at this point, Joe Joy knows <laughs> I don't. I'm excited for
2: it. I'm excited <laughs> for it. Great. <laughs> um, but I will say I definitely struggle this time of year with the seasonal depression and all that good stuff because it is it's dark. So it is dark, dark by five o'clock. And this year it feels extra dark. And I don't know why. Um, maybe it's, it's just, just, you know, just, just the vaguely problem. to the
1: existential dread of everything around us. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. fine. Um, I've, you know,
2: I've been hiding reality for a really long time, so, <laughs> um, you will not get a mental breakdown on this show today. That is nope.
1: not nope. part of the menu, nope. but knuckle it. we're going to be okay.
2: Yes. I actually do really like to make my house super cozy this time of year. And even going into January, I keep my holiday Decorations up just a little longer, just to make it a little less bleak. And then by the time it gets to February, I start to think about spring and get excited for that. So then it becomes the spring clean and declutter and all that good stuff. So if you're someone like me who struggles, keep your Christmas tree up just longer, keep your, you know, fireplaces decorated, whatever it takes. I oddly enough, having your coffee by candlelight in the morning is super soothing. Don't mm. turn the kitchen light on turn a like just light
1: a candle highly I think
4: recommend there's like
1: yeah there's something like deeply instinctual about humans and like a flame or a fire and mm-hmm. i think the candle kind of represents that into like you're not gonna have a bonfire in your living room but you can have a candle on the table yeah and there's something very inherently cozy about that for sure yes and a warm drink yep candle light like we we do our tree outside because cats uh but yeah we yeah. keep porch tree up for usually several months I and love bird seed tree. in it. Yeah, I, we actually haven't gotten porch tree yet. We're a little, we're slacking a little this year. I we haven't gotten ours either yet. Yeah. yeah, it'll be like someone. You else's can't because your dogs will yeah. take it. True. Yeah. Good point. Yeah, yeah. we'll yeah. figure something out. It'll be fun. So. Although
2: I'm surprised Lark hasn't tried to take the tree yet either.
1: Yeah. Well, <laughs> I think she likes to watch the birds come out of it too. You yeah. know, like the pointers. They don't distinguish between like a duck or a pheasant and like a sparrow. So they're like, Oh bird, you know, it doesn't matter what it is. So they're really, that. they're great. They're a mess. Oh my gosh. So, but yeah. Just, yeah. Do the, that. The and then also things. try to get outside folks. Like if you can, I know it's dark, but like, if you can like take a little walk at lunch break, like just getting out into the fresh air, even though it's really cold. Like yeah. If it does can, make a difference. Really and helps. I think
2: my neighbors think I'm absolutely insane because I actually put on like headphones and was jamming out while walking my dog in the snow but I actually had a really fun walk, and I was like dancing with her in the street. I was like, okay, well, I am now
1: known as a crazy lady in my neighborhood. But or Hallmark movie star, you know, you could be the whimsical. We could be girl way. with the dog in the neighborhood. So
2: considering I definitely have like horse girl winter aesthetic, meaning I look like I just scavenged for my clothes out of a box.
1: Okay, um, maybe it's unhinged creepy girl in the neighborhood. I don't know. Yeah, way, unhinged Christmas it.
2: girl. It's all good. <laughs> It's all good. Uh, me and Toba, we had fun. We had a really good time. Nice, <laughs> but it did make you know a, a pretty cold night a lot more fun for both of us. And the last one, not the detriment of this podcast because we want you to listen, but another tip: don't get on your phone right away in the morning. Like, take a slow morning, even if you have to be somewhere quick. Like, don't get into the hustle and bustle. Don't think about your to do list, even if it's just your first ten minutes of the day. Like, find something you like to do. And just do that. So for me, I wake up, I pet Tova and I like to make my coffee and that's like my little ritual. I don't want to get on my phone, although sometimes I break that rule. I'm trying better, but I am very (laughs) excited for our episode. But before we dive into all that good stuff, I do want to like hand you your flowers because earlier this week, this is the beginning of December for everyone. Um, you shared a great article from the RRP and I just think it's super important this time of year as people are adopting horses that your OTTB and even your off the track standard is probably not a rescue. And we need to probably stop that narrative of you rescued them. Uh, I know that's controversial and I know they're all our sweet, loving baby angels, But a
1: lot of them came from great situations, right?
4: Um,
1: Yeah. Thanks for the shout out on that. Cause I wrote that article too. So, um, and yeah, I think like there, I put a paragraph in there that's like, you know, you may have some personal differences with the racing industry, but that still doesn't justify you calling a horse that you acquired through, you know, a regular transaction, a rescue, just because you mm-hmm. didn't like how he was treated. Because otherwise I could go buy a horse from some guy down the road that I don't like how he treats a horse and call that a rescue. And that's not, that's not the case. There that's either. not
2: the situation. So, and yeah, that's not there the, are legitimate rescues and there are groups who help horses get out of bad situations for sure. But a lot of our aftercare programs have set up really good connections with the racetrack owners who want the same good things for that horse long-term. Like there's a lot of love that goes into these horses to get them to your doorstep. Um, of course, there are definitely some who come from the not best situations, but I think most of us, like my horse definitely came from a very pamper spoiled life. Um, I, she doesn't have that same degree today. Uh, she is more of a, a typical horse life, but it's nice to know that someone did put that love and care into her. And that's why she's got the personality she does. And I just think it's a good reminder for all of us to really think about where our horses came from.
1: Yeah. And yeah, in case anyone's thinking like, well, you know, Kristen maybe got her horses through great connections and wow, wow, wow. Well, Wes was a legitimate rescue. Like mm-hmm. Ashley pulled him out of like off the meat lot with his stickers on, you know, so like that is a rescue. And I don't want to sort of like gloss over his experience by saying that all the horses I have are rescues because. The other two are not, you know, so yeah, Mm -hmm. I think, uh, you know, every horse has a story and let's just make sure we're using the right words and not glossing over too much um, in their backgrounds because yeah, especially, you know, these racehorses were all purpose-bred for a very specific reason and a lot Mm -hmm. of thought and planning went into them. So
2: yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I like to say like you are just another chapter in their bigger story and that's a Mm -hmm. beautiful thing. It's an absolutely beautiful thing. Oh, I'm excited. Well, speaking of, we have a great episode of all exciting things. It's very Horse Radio Network centric on this episode, which I think it's a is a family fun. episode.
1: I like it. It
2: is, which is fun. Very festive it's for the Christmas holidays. Day. It's great.
1: This is a um, family.
2: Yeah. So it's going to have a lot of good things. We're catching up with Jen Hebert, who is married to Glenn, who is the, one of the founders of Horse Radio Network and oh, co host of. Her. She's amazing, but before we dive into all of that, we're gonna hear from our premier sponsor, Kentucky Performance Products.
4: Frequently Asked Questions, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products. My older Gelding is having trouble holding his weight and I'm afraid to feed him any more senior feed. He gets all the hay he wants. What do you recommend? Many older horses are eventually unable to maintain acceptable body condition on a typical diet of hay and grain alone. When you want to add calories without the risk of digestive upset, we recommend EquiJoule Rice Bran. It is an excellent source of easy to digest calories for older horses. The fat in EquiJoule is a concentrated energy source. It will increase calorie consumption and improve body condition without risking grain overload. Start your older horse on a quarter pound per day and work up to one or two pounds per day over a few weeks Remember, small meals fed three to four times per day will help your older horse better utilize the feed. You can learn more about EquiJoule at kppusa.com. Got questions about your feeding program? We can help. Email Karen at questions at kppusa.com or call us at 859-873-2974.
1: Well, in keeping with today's theme of bringing the HRN family together, we're super excited now to be joined by Coach Jen, uh, who is basically the like reason that HRN exists and the brains behind the whole operation. And what I also love is that you can tell she's super cool because she's a thoroughbred person. So, Jen, welcome to Retired Race Force Radio. Talk about all things OTTB. Yeah. Well, and that's what I love is that like, you know, across all of horse radio network, like, you know, all the coolest folks have an off-track thoroughbred or, you know, another retired racehorse. So, which I think is awesome. Um, and I think, you know, it, it just shows that like these horses are everywhere and are finding mm-hmm. traction and careers everywhere. So tell us a little bit about your
5: guy and what you guys are up to these days. Well, my current OTTB, it, I, I laughingly say he wasn't even good enough to get to the track because just he got ta- he got tattooed, and then he falls off the map. So we don't know how far he went after that, but we've never been able to find a a record of any works. Oh, so buddy, we don't know. He was lucky <laughs> enough to be born in two thousand and seven. So when he came of age and would have gone into training, was just when the thoroughbred market had the biggest crash in several generations. Oh, so he we suspect he just got kicked out into a pasture because he didn't show a lot of promise. Well, that's fine. And that, that's fine. That you know, that's a great that's a great <laughs> thing for a horse who doesn't have a lot of skill. That's a great thing to happen. Because yeah. when you're a racehorse and you are not going to be a good racehorse, if you get kicked out into a pasture, you're just going to be a blank canvas for the next guy that comes along. Right. Right. So anybody who has met North Coast, affectionately known as Nigel. We'll see immediately that there was very little potential for him to be a racehorse because he's built a little <laughs> bit more like a Clydesdale. Oh, buddy, that's the yeah. best kind. But he's, he's so cute. cute. He is he's very so cute. Cute. cute, and I do have a type. I love the big, honking, monstrous thoroughbreds that you know come thundering down the home stretch, and uh, and and can't wear race plates because they don't make them big enough. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's a custom shoe job for somebody. Yeah, well, actually, Nigel <laughs> does have custom shoes, if I remember right. Like, oh, gosh, I don't remember when it was. But I feel like you had a very interesting farrier experience a few years back.
5: I, have, I have interesting farrier experiences every four weeks.
1: <laughs> yes,
2: I
5: well, do. At
1: least, okay. The good news, though, is that you're in, like, the land of many talented
5: farriers. Well, Ocala. see, that's, that's the nice part. The... Amazing farriers, veterinarians, body workers, trainers, et cetera. There are a dime a dozen in Ocala. And I do get to take advantage of those because he has genetically pancake feet. Huh. So he has to wear glue-on shoes. He won't hold, hold nails. But the good news is glue-on shoes are, have really come a long way in 30 years. And knock on wood, they go on and they stay on. I don't have any issues with the whole, oh my God, they fell off. I can't let him get wet. Blah, blah, blah. No, you glue them on They stay there, take them off four weeks off and put new ones on. So uh, from that point of view, it's great, but it's a real treat for us because since he can't wear nails in his feet, he wouldn't be really useful because he does need to wear shoes. He's one of those guys. Um, but we, we try to do some endurance, He's an extremely competitive thoroughbred. He's the guy who wants to break from the gate and stay in front. So endurance is a bit of a challenge for us because you can't break from the gate and stay in front <laughs> for 50 miles. Right. That doesn't work. <laughs> it might for one, but... <laughs> for one 50-mile <50 laughs> At least it's well. passion, you know? Yeah, the passion,
1: passion's
5: but, there. But, but we love to try. We, out like we go out there. We have a good time. We enjoy ourselves. I do a little of this, a little of that with him. I'm discovering he's a real fun, he's one of those horses that he's not going to be a high level of any one thing. He is limited as far as his athleticism is concerned because he's got some spine issues. Hmm. But he will try anything and he will try his best within his physical limitations. And that took me a little while to learn from Nigel. Uh, when I got him, I thought, you know, I had that classic, oh, he's just being naughty, or oh, he's just being fresh, or mm-hmm. et-, et cetera, et cetera. And he's one of those horses that he wants very much to win or get the right answer. for. Because for him, winning is getting the right answer from his human. And once I got a really good handle on that, and I would break things down so he could understand it, he tries so hard to get the right answer every single time. And if he's not getting the right answer, I've figured out now that it's pretty much two, one of two reasons. Either I haven't explained it to him properly, or physic physically he cannot do that because of his physical limitations. So he's a really, really cool all-around horse. He's the first thoroughbred I've had that I've really tried to make into an all-around horse like that. And he is stellar. I love that.
1: And I, I, I actually can. think more, probably more people than we suspect are in that camp of like, let's just have a good... I say just, you know, like it's dismissive and it's not, but it's like, let's develop an all, like a true all-around horse that you can pull out and do anything with. You know, we tend to champion like, oh, this one, you know, just went to Rolex or sorry, to Land Rover. Uh, You know, this one is, you know, in Grand Prix show jumping. It's like, those are the ones that everyone thinks of. But I think ultimately I would say probably a larger number of thoroughbreds are going to homes where they are just going to be a good, like
5: all-around solid citizen. Mm -hmm. And all around, and it's funny that you you're right. We, when we say just, it sounds it's not yeah, like it's oh, just. Yeah. It's not it's just like, no, because no, no, no. <laughs> every Friday, what does everybody want in search of on the bad ads? In search of everybody wants the unicorn. Everybody right. wants that all-arounder. Mm-hmm. But they feel like that all-arounder has to have first won some kind of a fancy award in some discipline. I want the great all-arounder who. Was year-end champion three years in a row in my regional show hunter circuit, but now mm-hmm. I want him to be an all-rounder. Well, he doesn't necessarily have to be a champion in anything before he can be a fantastic all-rounder, right? Uh, I think even more now, and I get to talk to Debbie over at the Horsemanship Radio Show a lot about this. Is more and more and more we're seeing people take horses who, for whatever reason, are never going to be a championship anything as far as competition is concerned and take the time and use the skills that's required to make them into amazing all around useful horses. I think for a long time, we skipped that part. If they couldn't be a Mm -hmm. champion at anything at all, those are the ones that ended up falling through the cracks. And a a lot of the thoroughbreds were those that were falling through the cracks because it can be harder to make them into all arounders once they've been racing for a little while because they get really good at it. Um, and I think more and more we're seeing people take horses that either on their first career or their fifth, technically Nigel's with me, he he is his first career because he didn't get to race. <laughs> well, you know? And they're <laughs> making him into amazing all around horses. And he is so much fun because I can try all kinds of stuff with him. And he's going, sure, I'll try that. <laughs> well, I think horses
2: like that for the most part. I mean, they really do enjoy learning new things, seeing new things, like just like humans. And I feel like this is their, why they're such a draw to horse too. Like they have a curiosity that humans have, you know, we have to coax the braveness out of them get through some of their initial instincts to just avoid anything that's not normal, but they do enjoy learning something and saying like, oh, I, I got the answer to the question. I feel like thoroughbreds are definitely higher up in that category than some other breeds where they don't want to be
1: bored. They want to do new stuff with you. See, this is why I think more people need to try the ranch work with thoroughbreds because like ranch work is a discipline, but it is so many different disciplines comprising Mm -hmm. that one sport. Like, you know, you've got to have them developed in the flat work. They've got to be handy in a pattern. They have to be good on a cow. You have to be able to rope. You do the obstacles in the trail. Like there's so many pieces. And I think that's a perfect sport for horses like thoroughbreds that are active-minded, you know, and want to do a bunch of things. And they don't have to be a superstar at any one of those things. They just need yes. to try all of it. So they
5: have to they have to be multitaskers. They have to be they have to be reasonably athletic to accomplish them at that comfortable level. They want to learn and they want to work. So put that on your list then, you know, just a little, little ranch work for Nigel. It'll be fun. <laughs> I, I went and moved cows around with Nigel one time. Oh, did he right? like it? I, I I I I wanted to do it because I thought it would help Nigel become more confident. He was not confident when I got him. He was one of those horses that he was really, really, really awesome. And then when something Came into the, his universe that scared him, he just left town. Mm-hmm. So oh, I thought that would help him become more comfortable with, because it was particularly um, living things, dogs, minis, other horses. Minus small children and large coats. Yes. Not those, those. Yeah. But a she, cow, not for her. the they cows like would naturally heads. move away from. I thought, well, we can take advantage of that. He'll see the cow moving away and he'll go, oh, look, I can judge sh- that cow. Um, and I enjoyed it. He wanted to make friends with the cows. Oh, <laughs> every cow. That's a cow. My name's hey. Nigel. Hello. Where, Where are you how are from? I oh oh
2: just God. thought it was oh another God. horse. It's like, oh we are too. similar shapes.
1: You are very odd looking, <laughs> but I love you. Oh, <laughs> bless bless <his> heart. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Okay. So, not the. Not the most assertive cow horse. That's fine. Well,
5: I I want to try it again. One of these days the, He wasn't scared the, of him though. Yeah. That's it. No, oh, he wasn't yard. scared of him. One yeah, of these days the the, the the stars will align and I will get be able to get him to another uh fun cow session because here in Ocala, like every other discipline, we have lots and lots of little groups that get to where get together in the evenings and play around with cows. So it's yeah. it's very much available here. So I would love to try it again because I enjoy it. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. You know, that's perfect for a ranch roping horse. Cause jobber likes to go into aggressive. Then the cattle are running and it's a lot harder to catch them when they're running. So mm-hmm. <laughs> it's perfect. Uh-huh. Yeah. Nigel can just sneak you right in there and you can just drop your rope on whatever you want. He'll, so. he'll
5: jog <laughs> gently up to them, come to a comfortable stop. <laughs> right. And nuzzle. And nuzzle. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you don't mind oh. I put this rope over
2: your head. Do you? Oh, <laughs> oh. He's just, you know, what he's asking the cow for consent and like, that's, Nigel, that's is just important. forward thinking. Yes, that's all good.
1: That's all yes. good.
5: We're too um, consenting. We're too consenting.
1: <laughs> HR approved. Thank you. HR,
5: HR approved anthroping.
2: <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, send your complaints, I guess, to my email. It's fine. Um, <laughs> well, I know speaking of like all around horses, another discipline that people like to get into is fox hunting. That tends to not be... The first choice for most riders, it tends to be something they go try. If there's a a local hunt near them and then they get addicted, but they might have other things they're doing in the process. And Jen, I know you used to be an avid fox hunter. I don't know if you're still going with Nigel these days, but I would love to hear about kind of your history
5: in it and what you love about it. What I love about it. What I love about fox hunting. We'll get, we'll start with that. Uh, I love to watch the hounds work. So when I go out fox hunting and I have a sufficient relationship that allows me to be up close to the hounds, I so enjoy watching the hounds work because it really is an art form to uh, take a pack of dogs, (laughs) and I I call them (laughs) that on purpose, and get them to find a scent and go and chase it because this is all mother nature. There's no rehearsal. Mm -hmm. And everything you do, you have to get it done correctly the first time. There's no rehearsal, there's no warm-up, there's no do-over, there's no second class. So when the hounds strike on a line, and off they go like a bat out of you-know-where, and you have to go along, you have to follow certain rules in that you head off, there's 25 of you, and you need to be in a certain place. Um, And there's all kinds of fancy rules for that. So you have to be able to ride your horse among 25 horses, 15 of which you've never met before, frequently in countryside you have never laid eyes on before, at a dead run, and you don't know when you're going to stop. You don't know when you're going to turn. None of those things are ahead of time. That's what I love about it is the unpredictability. You just don't know until you're there. And I love that challenge of doing that. I don't fox hunt Nigel at this point because his brain is not suited for fox hunting. I I took him out (laughs) twice. And okay. it was it was meltdown both times. He's just too competitive. He must be in the front. See, I was going to ask oh, what it was because yeah. you,
2: I mean, it's so interesting that he's too competitive, but also not confident. And like, yes. there's there's like two personalities. In there is, course, he he has two it.
5: sides of, whenever there is a challenge put to him, be in the front or do a task, he mm-hmm. must do it first, fastest, best. Uh, and that's one of the things I really enjoy about him right now is that We do a lot of positive reinforcement training with him, which helped him gain a lot of confidence. And Mm -hmm. he has figured out that when I put a task to him, there's liable to be a reward. And just the idea of there being a reward for him, the reward was winning the race or getting a cookie at some point. He is so over motivated, way over motivated. I have to be very, very careful not to reward him too often because it amps him up and i have my and i find myself with a horse who all i'm trying to do is open and close the gate and he's dancing in place. <laughs> <laughs> Let me do it quick. Let me do, no. We open the gate really gently. Um so he wasn't quite suited for fox hunting. I do take him to a lot of hunter paces which are something that fox hunts put on for riders to practice their skills and mm-hmm. to help raise money for their local hunts. It's basically a cross country course that you go out and ride at what they call a hunting pace and that's different for every fox hunt so you have to be familiar with the hunt who's putting it on to get to get the ribbon but then you go out with two or three of your other friends and i always arrange it so i go out with horses and riders who are comfortable with the type of pacing that keeps him from having a meltdown um because once he has meltdown he's really not fun to ride um so i do (laughs) that a lot with it yeah i do a lot of those hunter paces but Fox hunting my thoroughbreds, I've had several who are just amazing. And the ones that I've had that were great fox hunting horses, all of them were war horses who had a lot of starts, who had mm-hmm. raced at least into their sixth or seventh year. And so the one horse raced until he was nine. Wow. All of them raced at mid to lower levels, but that because that's that mostly, I think that was just because that's the horse I could afford to buy. And all of them, did not have any fancy breeding up close. But again, that might just be because I didn't have the budget to buy one that had that kind of. Because even if he's not a racehorse anymore, if they've got fancy breeding up front, you're going to pay more for him. But the war, the wars, I love the war horses. They're, they've got good brains. By the time they've had 75, 100 starts, they've been standing there at the racetrack, you know, till they're six, seven, eight years old. They've got to have some pretty solid brain matter. to live in that pressure cooker lifestyle, right? Yeah, they know what they're about. They know who they they are. Yeah. They know who they are. And if they're not, occasionally you'll get the one who's just too heavy. Once he grabs the bit, he's going to run the race with or without you. They're not so great for fox hunting, (laughs) unless you're the (laughs) master. (laughs) (laughs) They make good master's horses (laughs) or they make good whip horses. But if you're in the field, I love a war horse that's had a whole crap load of starts and you get out there and all the young horses are dancing around and acting stupid and they just go, talk to Mm -hmm. the hand. It's gonna be race. Well, fine. Just take your time. (laughs) I love, and probably for
1: them, they're like, okay, yeah, this is just another thing we do. That's
5: it's just another thing we do. We just we're gonna go out and we're gallop for a while. We're done. We'll take a break. (laughs) There's some hills. There's some dogs. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. And very not. I don't think any of my thoroughbreds over the years have ever had an issue with a hound because obviously if. You have a horse who is uncomfortable around canines or, heaven forbid, would like to kick at one that brushes past his legs. (coughs) Uh, Not a good fox hunting candidate. And I've not had any of those. They've all been great about it. Yeah. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. When you mentioned earlier, you know, you mentioned like, oh, the glue on shoe has come along in the past 30 years. I was actually going to ask you, like, how do you think the OTTB maybe is either the same or different in 30 years? Like, same. compared to some of your first horses that you've gotten, you I know have you do you notice a lot of trends or differences, or you know still sort of the same quality animal?
5: I think we're finding the horse i I found the horses to be more robust hmm. than maybe thirty years ago oh interesting uh, the and again, we were dealing with a lot of horses that were bred or ended up in the lower-end tracks. An an allowance is about as high as they would get. But they have had a tendency to be much more petite, lighter-boned, a little bit more fractious. Okay. Um, Hmm. Is that where, like...
2: The stereotypes of like, oh, your your thoroughbred's just a waiting vet bill in your pasture. Like, yeah, and they're too hot. They're too, they're too you know, hot. They're yeah. too sensitive. They come in injured all the time. But I'm like, mine's a cockroach.
5: Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I
2: honestly, I so. that horse is going to survive a nuclear bomb. <laughs> I'm glad you have that one because I, I don't
5: think I do, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, you know, I think it might be partly not so much a change in the horse. As a change in a nutrition
2: mm-hmm. and b
5: horsemanship. Mm-hmm. I think more and more people outside of racing are figuring out what the thoroughbred brain is about and are adjusting their training so that it plays into what they need. Like we talked about at the beginning of this conversation. You need to f- you need to understand what that brain is all about. That brain has been bred for um, you know. Well, well on a thousand years now mm-hmm. to want to compete, to want to run when provoked, promoted, encouraged and want to run until he feels like he won the race. So, and it, and that was something that I struggled with a little bit when I started doing some endurance with Nigel is everybody said, oh, just let him go fast until he gets tired. And then he'll not want to go fast anymore. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Maybe not a good a good policy with a thoroughbred because they've been bred to run until they break, which is why Mm -hmm. they do. They they don't want to stop if it starts to ache a little bit or I feel a little tired. No, they don't want to stop. Uh, I think we're more and more the equestrian community is discovering that using appropriate training techniques you can find that really competitive brain and give mm-hmm. them a new job that they really do thrive on. 20 years ago, I would not have been able to figure out what Nigel needed. I didn't have the skill set yet. I didn't, I learned late. Um, I came from that very traditional, you have a horse that's hot, you take him out and you trot 20 mer- meter circles until they get tired mm-hmm. uh, kind yeah. of thing. And if the horse didn't want to do it, the horse didn't want to do it because he was being bratty that day. You know, and a lot of those theories have been, people are starting to set those aside to go, well, maybe, you know, we need to think a little smarter about this and use a little more science-based teaching techniques here. Mm -hmm. So, it's kind of interesting that he came into my life when he did because 20 years ago, I wouldn't have been able to figure him out and I would have just been frustrated with him. And now, because I can think a little bit more and use a little bit more of my brain, we have a great time. That's like
2: Fascinating, and I know we were going to talk about fox hunting, but I like this direction we went instead. This is really interesting. <laughs> Sorry, I and, ran with it. <laughs> well, and it's like a question for both of you because I feel like a lot of listeners, you know, might be in that same spot or have already learned it. But did, for me, I had to teach my horse how to rest and how to be okay with rest periods and ding, be okay ding, with ding, slowing ding, down. Ding 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 ding
5: ding 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 ding. like that. I've never had to teach a horse that before. That was bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And depending on the trainer, frequently you will find that the better trainers, there's that, I think there's kind of a upper mid-level stripe of trainer that their horses are taught that. You'll see pictures Mm -hmm. of them in the morning when they're doing works, that they'll just be standing on the outside rail watching the horses gallop past.
2: Mm -hmm.
5: And trainers who are not quite so adept, maybe don't, use as much of their brain and a little bit more tradition that they do it that way because 13 generations did it that way. Those horses won't have that skill, but I had to do exactly the same thing. I had to let Nigel learn how to chill Mm -hmm. because he didn't, he had no idea how to chill. Once you put the tack on, it was time to go to work and you didn't, you were not still until you were done working. (laughs) Yes.
2: Because, like, for me, the hardest thing I have found, and I'm still working on this with my horse years later, but that's because it was an epiphany to me of like, I always joke, like, we have like seven to 10 minutes of pure brilliance in the ride. And that's because it's the beginning, and she's in the mindset. She's like, oh, this is great. I'm working. And then I give her her first rest. And then the temper tantrum comes. She's like, we worked. We did it. Why are we doing this again? And, like, for her, like, mentally, she's, we had to like pivot so strongly into the extreme of rest period in the beginning, just to settle and take things in and wait for a cue that now she loves it. She loves that rest period and she thinks it's the end of it. So now we have to find that middle ground of balance and it can be really frustrating, but I've just never had to deal with it. So it's interesting to hear your perspective too. And I'm like, Oh, I'm not alone. We're just Why we have this show is no
5: one's alone. (laughs) One of the things that I've learned is, and we were talking about this on, um, what was I doing on Mary's show this morning? I was, we were talking with Tick Maynard a little bit and talking about reading the horse and, and reading the horse and understanding what that particular horse needs. Mm -hmm. It sounds like your gal needs to do the, she needs to do math and science first. Mm-hmm. and then have recess and then have art class.
2: Oh yeah. The last part of the ride, I always try to make it something fun. So we're something excited. Fun, to do something then.
5: easy, something that she gets mm-hmm. I'm the best thing in the world. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Cause a lot of horses are just, just the opposite. Yeah. You know that they, they need that fun, easy, comfortable. Let me build myself up kind of a ride. And then you have to have a little breather and then you go, and move on to the harder things. That's interesting. How, mm-hmm. uh, how, do you have that? What, which one is your horse, Kristen? Well, it's interesting because we're sort of, you know, like, I don't want to say Jobber's
1: finished, but like the past year I've spent most of my time coaching my husband on his horse. And I ended up kind of treating Jobber like a sofa for most of the year and just like <laughs> sat on him while I yelled at Eric. Um, <laughs> but Jabber, like if we're talking like how to stand still kind of resting, you know, in ranch work, a large part of Ranch work, like when you're actually working is standing around counting cows. So he learned that pretty quick of like, we're going to stand here and count cows. And if you're going to dance around, we're going to count them again. You know, so that was his whole first winter was standing around counting cows. And now he loves it. And he's like, and he'll just be like, do you need to count them? I'll stand here until you count them. And I'm like, you I don't need to count them. Thanks, you count buddy. <laughs> You know, and like, Jen, I think you and I have had this conversation before on Facebook of like, Shorty doesn't do drilling. Jobber loves to like, and I hate the word drill because it makes it sound like you're just out there like repeating things. Mm-hmm. But like, Jobber likes to work. He likes flat work. He likes the physicalness of, you know, like, okay, we're going to do a little... I guess probably what the dressage people will call a shoulder in. And we're going to track this way. We're going to leg yield here. We're going to do that. And he's like, yes, I love this. This is great. And Shorty is like, (laughs) I hate it. (laughs) So a large part of our um, life is trying to manage Shorty's expectations, you know, Mm -hmm. so that like if Shorty has to like sneak into doing flat work and he's actually, Mm -hmm. he's getting better about it, but it's a lot of like, okay, well, because jobber likes to have like, if we ride six days a week, he'll hack two days we'll do cattle two days and then we'll do flat work two days not in that Mm -hmm. order you know but we'll Mm -hmm. mix that up Mm -hmm. and shorty it's like okay like try to find a way to work the flat work in everywhere else but don't make (laughs) him think he's doing flat work or he's like Mm
5: -hmm. (laughs) and that can be that can be a real challenge you have to think really outside the box how to get that type of work for your horse that type of a physical mental workout without letting the horse feel like he's going around and around and around. Right. In a
1: yeah. The but way. then also two at the yeah. same time. It's so like, so I'm yeah. trying to ride and get my stuff done. And then Eric's yeah. having a meltdown in the corner because shorty's like, got his head mm-hmm. sideways going row, 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 on the bit because his brain fell out, you know? So it's yeah. like, okay. <laughs> so, yeah. You have horses with yeah. two very different needs. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And we're trying to ride at the same time, which yeah. you know is fun for us, but then also like, has its own issues too you know we've created some herd sourness now on our horses too so yeah oh, well, our plan for that. 2024 is going to be very different so
5: stay tuned <laughs> anything about herd sourness <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah oh
2: my goodness i think we could do like a whole episode on just everything we're talking about but i know we're coming up close to time i i would love to wrap up on kind of these Areas that I'm going to try sum everything up that we've been talking about. Oh I gosh. think it's a lot about horse mindset. <laughs> but, <laughs> Jed, I would love to know. So you you've traditionally had thoroughbreds who you could take into fox hunting into the show jumping ring, and now you have Nigel who's different. Like he's like, let's go on adventures. Let's you know, do this endurance thing. Show me new stuff. For you, like, what do you look for in a horse to, to know? This is what I'm going to be good at, or this is where I have strengths. Like. I feel like you're at the same learning spot as the rest of us too, because this is all new to all the horse world, but what what have you taken away so
5: far? I think try your best to objectively listen to the horse. It's really hard because when I got Nigel, I got him so that I could fox on him and maybe to do some little show jumps. Maybe even do a little event here and there. I haven't done an event in, Thirty years, but to do all those things I always did, and discovered very early on he wasn't suited to it for various and sundry reasons. So rather than go, oh well, just sell him on to the next guy. Like, no, I really like riding him. I really enjoy riding this horse. Let's find other things we can do that you and I can both enjoy. Which ended up creating like I've never tried that before, but hey, why not? Mm -hmm. That's basically what we did because i get i didn't get him to be an all-arounder i got him to be a fox hunter didn't work out so if you're getting a or if you're out shopping for ott beads and you have a singular goal in mind for example you want to get one that's going to fox on or you want to get one that's going to event or you want to get one that's going to do working equitation find some basic skills the very core of the skill set that that discipline requires and test that first for nigel that skill set was riding in a group of horses at speed that was the first skill set if if your horse whatever breed he is cannot ride in a group of horses at speed and keep their brain about them and keep their senses about them he's not going to be a fox hunter Hmm. now when you start out riding in a group at speed i'm going to use my air quotes might be going out for a good fast trot around a large pasture. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, Because you have to bring it to that level of that baby horse brain, whether that baby horse is four years old or nine years old. If they can't handle that kind of thing after a few tries, he's probably not going to be suited to be a fox hunter. He needs to have that brain be able to go, adrenaline goes up, okay, now we're taking a break. Mm -hmm. Adrenaline goes up, now we're going to take a break. Not his skill set. So that's, I think where, for me, fox hunters need to be, and I think horses who have spent a lot of time at the races and also thoroughbreds who have had second careers as polo ponies are also good at this, Mm -hmm. really good at let's go out and be athletic and run like crazy. Okay, we're taking a break now. Mm, Okay, we're going to go do it again. They are really good at that. So those are two places you can look, you know?
2: That's awesome. And it, it does make me
5: think too, is like Astrid
2: is built more like a hunter, but her brain does not fit the hunter ring. She hates that there's more than two to three horses in the arena with her. She gets so offended that they're interrupting her day. Mm-hmm. I could never imagine her in an equitation class yeah. with a bunch of other Migel has to race every
5: horse in the warm up ring, he must race them all. Oh, mine becomes a German shepherd and just... Yeah, he's, he's a terror in the warm-up <laughs> ring. I feel so bad for the little kids. Yes.
2: <laughs> yes. But like dressage, where she... The full spotlight is on her. She loves it. That is that is her element. She loves yeah. having a sp- full spotlight on her at any time. So anytime she gets to have that, she thrives. But maybe just go in... If you don't necessarily have a discipline in mind, but don't go in too limited with a vision for a horse. If there's a horse you like and you like their personality and their confirmation and you have fun riding them, be really open-minded at the end of the day for what you can do with them.
5: Yep. Absolutely. Try try stuff and see, th- throw spaghetti at the wall and see what, hits st- see what yeah. sticks.
2: Yeah.
5: I, I think also it think it keeps us
2: young too, you know. <laughs> I just want to add it. a caveat
1: to that though, that like, <laughs> you know, if you are really into a particular sport and the horse is not suiting the sport, like it is also okay to move on mm-hmm. to you know like the worst thing
5: the worst thing you can do is try to put a square a square peg in a round hole right right mm-hmm. and like you know if you're like if you are a hunter rider
1: and you cannot bear doing dressage for the rest of your life and your horse cannot jump or cannot do the hunters like you know it, like you don't need to make yourself miserable either no <laughs> so, no absolutely so yeah don't not. try to put the round peg in the square hole but that goes both ways don't also put your own you know, absolutely. Self, something you don't yes. want to do to know, so, yeah, know what you want, know what you want.
2: I mean, yeah. I wanted an all rounder. I wanted something to play with. And I knew getting my horse, it was a make your own adventure situation. <laughs> but there are a lot of people who know exactly what they want to do and why they love doing it and finding that right horse for you. And if you just help them get to their next step, right. you right. know, you're just a, a great chapter in their oh, longer
5: story. Yeah. And if you get that thoroughbred into your life, that doesn't turn out to be the show hunter you wanted it to be. If you've done right by the horse and put those basics on that horse after his track career, mm-hmm. whoever comes and makes him their very special pony next will be one step ahead because he, every every horse, regardless of their discipline, needs those same basics. And one, and everybody needs to start with those, regardless of what discipline. So you've gotten those basics started. But golly, once you started going down the road of, okay, we're going to do some show hunters and, sorry, a little bit too race brain to be a show hunter. Um, maybe he wants to be an endurance horse or an eventer. He's got those basics. He knows how to stand quietly. He knows how to hack out alone. He knows... How to stand comfortably for the farrier. He knows how to take a break during a riding session. The person who comes along that gets him next, you can inform them of that. You say, "No, he's not going to be a show hunter, so don't get him." Mm-hmm. But you've got those basics there, and I think that's really big: is don't just throw him away, right? Put those basics mm-hmm. on him, and now you can help find his next forever home. Yeah, absolutely. That. Always do uh, for the horse.
2: This has been so fun, Jen. I think we definitely need to have you come back. Like your knowledge and your experience, it's just a fact you're one of my favorite people to talk to. Yes. Um, just, your, it was a pleasure. I've been wanting to have you on the show for a while and I'm really glad you were able to come on.
5: Well, thanks for having me over. I love to, to OTDB geek out. Oh, this
2: is fun. It was super fun. And for listeners, if you also find Jen as beneficial as we do, you can listen to more of her tips on Horse Tip Daily, which is another show on Horse Radio Network. Jen, thanks again, and we hope you have a very Merry
0: Christmas. I'm here with Tony from Cashel. You all know it from the ads you hear all the time on this show, but I, we're at the trade show, and this is the p- point of time in the year where we find out what's new coming out. So what's Cashel have new coming out?
3: Oh, we've got a, a great lineup of uh, 32, 34 wool top pads. So uh, t- describe them. Uh, five different colors, real vibrant, bright, sharp-looking pads. What, are the, what makes them different? Uh, well, it's the fill. The, the the wool felt on the inside is a natural felt, and the fleece on the bottom is a 100% merino. Oh, really?
0: Okay. So these are soft and squishy pads.
3: Well, not real squishy, but soft, and, and they do absorb shock and, and saddle fit.
0: What do they retail for, one of those? that's about
3: 119 that's the right price yeah anything else new with Casual coming out oh we've got uh, more saddle pads coming in the fall a new strap line coming in the fall it's uh, a two-tone that looks great with a, a great buckle set on it there's we're always in development so there's so many things projects in the works what's still your most popular product is it still always the same things year after year uh, fly you got yeah fly, fly that's what we all. Do. Is it. that's how I knew you in the first place was fly fly masks yep yeah, many years ago, uh, we were primarily fly masks and kind of had some tush cushions and a few odds and ends. today we've broadened that offering to saddle bags, uh, strap, head stalls, breast collars, bell boots, um, leg protection, and the it continues to grow.
0: Is there a place where somebody can go and see all the products?
3: Uh, com will give you a good offering. There you go. Well, thank you, Tony. It's been fun seeing you again. Hey, thank you. Good to see you.
1: Joy, very excited to have with us now Natalie Keller Reinert, who is from the Adulting with Horses podcast on Horse Radio Network and is also just kind of like an all around superstar, like multimedia talented, um, like equestrian businesswoman. So, Natalie, we're really excited to have you on Retired Race Horse Radio. Welcome.
6: Thank you. I just decided, as you uh, described that, that I should be the queen of all horse media. That sounds appropriate, right? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, just
1: (laughs) put that crown on your head.
6: (laughs) Good to go once I was the queen of Ocala and she said what why 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 are you the queen of Ocala I said because I want to be so I say oh that I am <laughs>
1: that is a, that's cool title like I just like so. embroider it on a on a, like a warm up jacket and be like people just Ocala. have to accept it, right? They
6: don't even know. They're like, oh, that's the Queen of Ocala. I feel
1: like Maybe that's how queens that. are made, right? They're like self-declared. You just mm-hmm. like take the crown and run with it. So Yeah,
6: long history. <laughs>
1: <laughs> awesome. Well, yeah, let's start with your show. So you are a co-host of Adulting with Horses. So tell us a little bit about that show because we've never done any kind of collaboration with you guys, which is a problem. So this will be the start of it.
6: <laughs> <laughs> we yeah, we have so- much in common um heather has retired racehorse and i grew up on them so we always have lots to say about our thoroughbred brains and so adulting with horses podcast is a very lighthearted look at being a horse girl in the modern world and we focus mainly on the (laughs) trials of being an adult amateur and that doesn't mean necessarily competing that means getting to the barn to see your horse once a week or uh, remembering to take your bridle out of the car before you leave it at the garage, you know, any number of reasons why (laughs) the professional life did not choose you. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. You know, Heather's got a family. I have a family. um, Neither of us are anywhere near what you consider a professional, but horses are a huge part of our lives even when it's a total struggle to keep it that way, it's worth it. And so those are the kind of things that we talk about just like surviving.
1: (laughs) That's awesome. I think that's like such like, you know, everyone's like, Oh, the adult amateur. And you think of like, you know, still the person that's like gets to the barn every day after work, but like, yeah, that's such a, you know, like there's so much guilt, right. When you like can't get to the barn every single day. So I love that there is a podcast for that. So thank you guys (laughs) (laughs) for fighting the good fight. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, because, like, I'm sort of in that, like, mm, like, I, I enter the open classes anyway, but, like, I'm not really a professional, but I have been in the past, but I do self-care yeah. feed, you know, like, bored, so I have to be there every day, you know, like, someone's got to feed these horses. So, but yeah, that's uh, that's good to know that that community exists. Yeah,
6: the coming back from being a pro, I totally get that, because when I was in my early 20s, you know, I styled myself a pro as well, and I and I... Worked with five star adventures and I was a big deal to myself. And uh, then you come back when you're in your late 30s or early 40s, or maybe later, and um, the world has moved on without you. Like, <laughs> I had to it's learn, <laughs> I had to not just relearn a lot of stuff in the saddle, but I had to learn about all this newfangled stuff like saddle fit. Like, what? <laughs> you fit every saddle, every time. It was used to be such a point of pride to have your beat up saddle in the back
1: of your car that you could put on any horse. Oh no. Yeah. Right. Like that's not a thing anymore. Yeah. i worked at a ranch and, you know, I had a saddle that I was like, this saddle really does seem to fit everyone, you know, and right. everyone called it the magic saddle, but otherwise, mm-hmm. yeah. Like trying to saddle fit like a dude string of like 120 horses and we had 80 saddles. So trying to find the perfect fit, you know, for one guest to ideally use the same saddle all week long. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. And it's amazing, you know, because yeah, you just think like now, right? You just swing that saddle up and go ride. And it's like, oh no, no, no. (laughs) We've come a long way, which is great. I think, you know, as like an equestrian culture, like I'm glad that we are finding more and better ways to care for our equine partners, but also totally. like, when did it get so freaking complicated?
6: Yeah, I'd say that a lot. It's taken me a long time to sort of wrap my head around this new scientific-based culture that we either are entering or certainly have access to. And um, and I'm, I'm proud to say that I am now 100% in, but at first I was like, how much stuff do you need for one or two horses. Are you kidding me? I was so proud of being shoestring for so long, but that's, you know, be, be proud of poverty is, is never the most important thing.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, making the most on a small budget. It, yes. strong,
6: Yeah. It's a strong, it's a strong <laughs> yeah. place to come from, but it, it isn't an aspirational
1: thing. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it would be nice to <laughs> yeah. have a bigger budget. Yeah. Well, yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, everything, right? Like we've come really far. Nutrition and mm-hmm. you know, basic, like yeah, like oh yeah, I feed psychology. Completely different like that's than a I thing did. now. <laughs> yeah, yes.
6: Yeah, like I train differently than I did 25 years ago. I feed differently. It's a whole new world, and I feel really good about it.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, let me disclaimer this. We're not saying like, oh, let's go back to the old days. Right. <laughs>
6: no. I think that's pretty obvious which side <laughs> we're <on>. at. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> oh, that's awesome. But yeah, I mean, that's a good point, though. Like, that's a, a lot to navigate when you come back to it, if you've taken a break.
6: Yeah, I remember when I was a teenager, uh, a woman in her like, maybe 50s came to take a lesson at our barn, which was like a teenager dominated event barn. And she showed up in a hacking jacket and a very ancient pair of, of dress boots and a hunt cap, like with an elastic oh. band. Wow. And we were staring at her. Like she stepped out of a museum <laughs> and she thought she was very well dressed. And she was looking at us like, what? And we're wearing like jeans and chops and our general messes. And now I get it. I see where she was coming from. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Oh, my God. That's kind of awesome, though. Like, you know what, lady? You do you. (laughs) You Yes. She needed a real hard hat, but the hacking jacket looks great. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. Be like, oh, hot damn. Yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. So, yeah. So, um, with Adulting with Horses, what was, like, your 2023 highlight? Like, what was really cool this year?
6: Oh, I think just going – I mean, we love doing the show, but going and doing – live events is really big for Heather and I. So when we go to Equine Affair um, or Horse World Expo in Harrisburg, uh, when people, like Heather and I are both authors. And and so we approached this as we're a pair of authors and we're going to do a podcast because we have really good chemistry. Like we just wrap off each other really, really well. And, but we're, you know, known uh, air quotes as authors. And when people started recognizing us as podcasters and saying, wait, you have books? (laughs) That was a pretty fun moment. I love it. (laughs) It was disorienting for both of us. Yeah, we have books and we podcast, but it was starting to turn and we podcast and we have books. So striking that balance is uh, interesting. But we love meeting um, listeners. And so we had a meetup at the November equina Fair, and lots of our favorite brands came, um, you know, friends who run like ReadyNote and Botori and Veltri and uh, Zero Per Four Streets. And I know I'm leaving people out and I apologize. So many awesome people, women, I should say that we've met in the course of being authors and being podcasters. And everybody came together to create this fun gift basket to raffle off. And then we got to chat with them all for a Black Friday special and highlight these businesses that we really love. And it's really exciting to be part of this women-centric equestrian small business community. Uh, And that's a lot of modifiers, but That's what makes it cool is it's so tight and small and exciting. All of these women who've come up with great ideas to make riding better or make horses happier, you know, and, and the way everybody works together and we meet up at these events. That's fun. I love being part of that. And I love having the ability to put people on a pedestal and show them off and be like, we love this stuff and you're going to love it too. That's a really cool privilege of, of having a podcast. Um, even more so than like, I think for me blogging or posting on my social media about it, I just, I think it's a really fun platform
1: in general. Yeah. You guys are like the model of, you know, like how to take a show on the road and like (laughs) like have listener meetups and get out there and do stuff like You know, Joy and I have, we get together at the makeover, but that's like drinking out of the fire hose for me because I'm also working the makeover as part of the RRP. So we're like, hi, you know, we'll sort of whiz past each other in opposite directions as we're doing different things. So we don't, we never get to do like, you know, something cool like that. So I wish we, maybe we should. I'm taking notes. It's fine. Keep
6: talking. I owe a lot to Heather. So (laughs) if you want to know a lot about putting together and putting in the energy and the, and, uh, the prepping to do an event. Heather's a woman uh, like she she knows what's what's going on. I'm just like Heather why do I have to get up so early? I'm just like shut up and get in the car. <laughs> Heather like I want to go home and go to bed. <laughs> Stay where you are. Okay.
1: <laughs> All right. Yeah, so yeah, we uh, need to hire Heather then. Does she freelance? She can manage uh. us. <laughs>
6: I love that. That might be a whole <laughs> new business model
1: for her. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> we just came up with something new. Just add That's that. That's what we do <laughs> podcasting, authoring, and managing other podcast hosts who can't mm-hmm. get it together. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, yeah, let's pivot then and talk a little bit about the, you know, being an author. So, um, I. I have, I feel like I have like the inside track, but I also know it's been on your social media, um, about your next book coming out, The Makeover Horse, which obviously I'm super excited about because there's a makeover tie-in, but tell us a little bit about that.
6: Oh, now there's a lot more pressure on The Makeover Horse, which I didn't anticipate. (laughs) I never really know how my brain's going to react to things. Um, yeah, so I've been an equestrian author for like more than 10 years and, I have a series called Ocala Horse Girls, which are all basically romantic comedies with tons of horses, and it's about like friendship and women sort of chasing their dreams of, you know, equestrian life, whether they want to be professionals or they've just come to Ocala to get away from it all. Cause you know, this is a really I'm here in Central Florida, North Central Florida, and this is a special place you want to talk about community and everybody is working towards the greater good of the horse we really have an awesome setup here in Ocala and it's beautiful like it's just it doesn't look like most people's impressions of Florida it's just beautiful here and I love it so anyway I'm writing this series and literally out of the blue Lightning strikes, and I'm given the idea that I should write about a woman who is starting her life over again. And while she's doing that, she's also retraining an X-rays horse, and she wants to take him to the Therabed makeover. And I thought, oh, this is such a good setting. And the, you know, I went to the Therabed makeover. I've been twice, and this last time in 2023, I volunteered, and that was when it really struck me that this really is quotes the happiest horse show on earth <laughs> I love it talk about a sense of community and everybody pulling together and making fast friendships uh it's it's not like anything I've ever done before and even though it usually takes place on my wedding anniversary uh I foresee going back to volunteer many more times because it's inspiring to be amongst these people and um the incredible jobs that they've done with these wonderful green horses—it's—it's just—I—I I draw all of my energy from my writing, from my writing to from going to these big events. And I thought Land Rover Kentucky was a huge inspiration, but wow, their makeover really did it for me too.
1: Oh, so, I love this! Not yeah, a all paid, that to say <laughs> say not a paid makeovers. testimonial, folks. She's just saying this. <laughs> it's going
6: to this going to the makeover voluntary absolutely had repercussions, which will echo throughout the rest of my life, including my married life, because I promised I wouldn't have another thoroughbred. And that conversation has changed significantly with my Uh husband. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So be warned.
1: (laughs) We can hook you up. We know where to get one. We know where to get many.
6: (laughs) Yeah, I'm, I'm no stranger to like, surprise, I brought a horse home. Um, I drove past, uh, Ocala for building the other day and I said, Oh, I got off my last retired racehorse from Ocalaforsale.com. But yeah. The, so the makeover horse is I'm, I'm halfway through it and it's on pre-order now and it'll be available at the end of March. And it is the fifth book in Ocala horse girls. And it brings back characters from all four of the other books, plus Pete and
1: Jules from the Aventine series. Oh, that's so cool to tie all your books together. Like, you know, they, they're not in separate universes, right? Like no, they're all Everyone in the is firmly in the Ocalaverse, so. I love this. I love this. Fi- I also have to say, when you first reached out and you were like, hey, would it be okay if I set this book at the makeover? And I was like, yeah, um, let me just run it past our staff and, you know, make sure that works. And like, I didn't even finish the pitch and everyone was like, Oh my God, hell yeah. So, so yeah, like many thumbs up. We're very
2: That excited. is like,
6: for me, I couldn't ask for better news. That's some of the best news I've gotten all year because that just, you know, that means that I am connected with the community I want to be part of. Like I'm on, I'm on the right page and doing the right thing. The right people are okay with working with me, you know what I mean? Or uh, anticipate working with me. And so I'm really excited to hear that. And I'm so glad that, uh, we are in some small way sort of collaborating on this.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, and like, and vice versa too. Like, you know, for us to have, like, from the RRP side, for us to have, like, cultural relevance essentially in the equestrian world is huge. You know, that it's not just this thing that we do. Like, it is, like, we know it's a bucket list show and that's fine, but also like, oh my gosh, like, you know, someone wants to set a story at that event that we put our blood, sweat and tears into, like that's really moving and humbling. So yeah, so yeah, yeah thank you <laughs> on behalf of all of us because we thought it was awesome. So, you know, I have to excited. say, when you talk about relevancy, the
6: march forward that this you know, retired racehorse project has sort of enhanced the, the thoroughbred journey. When I first started really writing for an audience, I was writing about retired racehorses. I started a blog called Retired Racehorse in um i don't know two thousand eight maybe like pre Facebook is open to everybody blog,
1: oh yeah, and back in the college uh, days <laughs>
6: yeah, 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 so I had a blog, it was on WordPress and then it was its own dot com and and um I blogged every single day I went and I got a horse specifically to write this blog about. And then it turned into this big celebration of thoroughbreds, whether it was retraining or when I went to work at the racetrack, I wrote about that so that people could get an inside view of what these horses learn at the racetrack and what their lifestyle is, because I thought it would give people a better opportunity. You know, you know, if you know what your horse already knows, then you can make better predictions about the way they'll behave for you yeah, when you bring exactly. them home or when you take them to a show. And I had always found that people seemed to underestimate what thoroughbreds could do the day you brought them home. But yeah, we're talking, this was a hundred years ago in internet years. And this blog, this blog used to reel in thousands of hits per day. Wow. And that's where my writing career really came from, was writing about retired racehorses. So to it. see it now, just grow and grow and grow every year. It's thrilling for me. Absolutely thrilling. Because I feel like i helped push that oh into, absolutely yeah you know, it's a popular sort of culture of horse culture
1: yeah that's and so cool so- it's really cool to just you know that yeah to see how this movement has grown but then also yeah like you know the different ways that the thoroughbreds are changing people's lives you know like you know if you say that that sort of helped launch your writing career like what a cool thing for the horse to do, you know, like adjacent Mm -hmm. to the racing industry, which is where everyone thinks of them. And it's like, oh my gosh, like one horse can serve so many people in so so many unique ways, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I kind of like, I think I ran into you in passing like once or twice at the makeover while I was, you know, zipping around with my hair on fire. So, (laughs) so that was your second makeover you said?
6: yeah i went i think two years ago yeah i went two years ago on my way to quarter horse congress oh, okay. um, where i was working at Tabor tinny quine books uh for a couple weeks of congress um so we stopped in lexington and i said oh yay i want to go to third makeover so we went and caught a little bit of the action there and so we decided to go up this past year and have a weekend in lexington and i said right i want to volunteer i had been asked to be a vendor um, with some friends. And I just um, I love, I love being a vendor because I love uh, you know, connecting with readers in person and meeting new people. And I, but I also really love volunteering horse shows. Like I'm kind of obsessed with volunteering at events. And so I said, I really want to get to know what the feel is and I want to give back to the community. So I'm I'm not going to vend at this one. I'm going to volunteer. And uh, so I signed up for a couple of days, and I put myself as floater, which meant that I was willing to do whatever. Uh, and so I walked in um, the first morning,
1: not having any idea what I was going to be doing. Pro tip, um, I think that's the best volunteer job, because you will get to see and do so many different things. So yes. Yeah, yeah.
6: It really, and it really was like, I worked in show jumping and I got to drive a golf cart around Kentucky horse park. Hello. That's awesome. And I worked on, um, trail, which is something I know nothing about. And, oh, yeah. <laughs> and I saw thoroughbreds barrel racing that got really memorable, really quick, <laughs> uh, that, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Um, the beer was excellent. So, <laughs> and everybody was awesome and nice, which was my anticipation. I will tell you my favorite position was working info desk, which is hilarious because I had oh, really? no info. Yeah. Yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah. It hits my skill sets really, really hard. Um, like I was a concierge at Disney World. I was a manager at Disney World. I was a park ranger in New York City. And so um, being a person who answers questions is... <laughs> I don't, it's, I'm it's like, very much. A yeah. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, I can be in charge. No, if that's not a problem.
1: <laughs> I've been in positions like that. And you're like, I do not have the answer for you, but I will talk to you very, very nicely while I figure out who has that answer and I will go find that person for you and everything will be great. And yeah. I
6: think I legitimately answered that exact line several times. Like <laughs> I don't have that answer, but you hang tight and we're going to find that answer. And uh yeah, I'm pretty good at that. I don't, I worked in, you know, I worked in theme parks where you generally have no idea what's going on and you just smile and make the best of it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that is a rare skill set. Like that is an underappreciated and undersold skill set for sure. Like, yeah, and that wearing. is a thankless job at the info desk. <laughs> so thank you very much for being there and holding down Oh, the my point. pleasure. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's funny. Uh, what a fun way to like see the makeover though. And, you know, and and kind of get a feel for that community is by... Giving back, like that's awesome. That you, you know, we're willing to give your time and experience our community that way. And I'm glad that you had a great time. You know, so much so that you're going to immortalize it in print. <laughs> so that's really cool. <laughs> well, I always, you know, when you go to something where you're like, if you go to a
6: show where you're not competing and you're just kind of watching, it's like okay, you're kind of on the outside. Yeah. And you know, I've had enough of being on the outside as a nerdy horse girl who likes to write stories. So for me. I'd like to feel included. So when I volunteer, boom, I'm automatically included. You have to like me because I'm here for free. And I'm here to help you. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good strategy. (laughs) It really works because, um, you know, when a volunteer coordinator would get super intense, which is fine, I would just be like, okay, now what exactly in short sentences do you want me to do? (laughs) I will go and do that because I am here for you. You know. I don't have any prior knowledge. I just showed up to do whatever you instruct me to do, and it worked
1: out great. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a, and that's the hard part, right? Is like tensions are running high. Some days, they do. It's, it's what it is? Because <laughs> yeah. there's a lot going on. <laughs> they do. Yeah. But you know, everybody's you know, there for the work. same reason. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I was going to say that sidelines that can work one of two ways because my husband got tired of watching me show, so now he shows. So, ah. you know, so just do that long enough. And then you can get another thoroughbred and tell your husband that it's his. So yeah, here's hoping you you know, Team horse, you know, do a team entry. It'll be fun. That'd be oh great. My God, I would love
6: <laughs>
1: that. Well, <laughs> uh, Natalie, this has been super fun. Uh, so I know you have like a social media presence for yourself as an author and then also for the podcast. So where right. can people find all of your things on the internet?
6: Um, under natalie keller reiner or under adulting with horses podcast the um instagram and the facebook and the tiktok we're we're on those three primarily
1: um oh, the tiktok all right the tiktok
6: yeah i have a i have a post on tiktok right now that might be going semi-viral
1: Ooh! all right it, we're gonna it check is it out. in
6: fact just a video of my horse bucking really hard and a mini horse chasing him uh, okay. <laughs>
1: That's That's the recipe. (laughs) That's all. That's all Mm -hmm. all you need. All right. Yeah. I just,
6: you know, you can sell subscriptions based on that. Like $10 a head. Here's the secret to TikTok. Fucking horse. Jeez. Mini horse chasing him.
1: My maniacal herd of morons. I should be all over that then. You really should. they do. Yeah. (laughs) Chase and kill each other. So. (laughs) <laughs> yeah people well love natalie that. <laughs> thank you so much this is our our christmas day episode is launching on christmas so it was really fun to have you know another member of our horse radio network family join us for you know our holiday episode so thanks again for coming to hang out with us oh
6: my pleasure thanks for having me i guess i'll see you at the next makeover
1: oh perfect it's a date
0: train with top hunter jumper and eventing professionals anytime anywhere with practical horsemen on demand Your membership gives you access to hundreds of how-to training videos taught by top-level hunter, jumper, equitation, and eventing pros, exclusive interviews and lectures, slow-motion demonstrations, insider access to private clinics and lessons, and step-by-step tutorials. New content is always being rolled out, so there are always new videos available on the topics important to you. Join now for just 24.99 a month and take your training to the next level with Practical Horseman on demand.
1: Well, happy holidays, gang. If you have a little bit of downtime this weekend when you're listening to Retired Racehorse Radio, because it is Christmas break, and you are thinking of throwing your hat into the ring for the 2024 thoroughbred makeover, now is the perfect time to head over to the rrp.org and log in, and you can start drafting your application. Because the application process is a little bit long and complicated, we have decided to open it for drafting. So you can go in, you can fill everything out, you can hit save, and you can come back to it later. Um, so that is super useful for getting all of ducks in a row to make sure your application is as strong as it can be. And then starting on January 2nd, you can submit that application for Reelsies. So get everything organized now while you got a little downtime. And then starting January 2nd, we will happily see you all signed up. Do not forget that in 2024, we not only will have the traditional retiring racehorse division, but the former broodmare division is now official. Last year was the pilot program. This year it is here to stay. So we'll be following pretty much the same rules as last year. You can check out the rulebook at the rrp.org for all of the details, but we are excited to welcome both former racehorses and former broodmares in 2024.
7: Even under the best circumstances, travel is stressful for horses. We've all been there, stuck on the side of the road in the middle of nowhere. You can make the journey knowing that U.S. Rider is there for you. Get peace of mind on the road with U.S. Rider's nationwide 24-7 roadside assistance coverage for both you and your horse. Join today at usrider.org.
2: Well, it has been a very festive and fun episode so far, and we are now coming up to the end of it, which is always very difficult, but we're going to wrap it up with a bow, if you will. Excuse my pun, with Leandra Cooper from New Vocations. Welcome back to the show, Leandra. Well, hello. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining. It has been a whirlwind, I'm sure, with all of your New Vocation specials happening. Um, I know prior and listeners, I have to say we're doing a little bit of time traveling in this episode. We are Couple weeks ahead of Christmas. So I'm guessing what's happening in Leandra's world. But she texted me and said, What horse should we feature? And I was like, My guess? <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Because they all go like <laughs> hotcakes this time of year. So, how have things been at New Vocations?
7: Absolutely wild. It's nonstop here, and every day feels like a marathon.
2: That is just in the holiday spirit. <laughs> <laughs>
7: Oh. yeah I was trying to reference something that had happened earlier in the week and I was just talking to my assistant trainer Julie and I was like man when was that she just looked at me and said um yesterday and I was like man that feels like so long ago now wow just yesterday yeah. huh okay you know I had great. the same feeling like
2: i tuesday morning when i woke up i thought it was saturday and i was like mm-hmm. was monday that intense where i thought a whole week went by
7: that is intense yeah it's that kind of time
2: it is it is december that. time is just an idea it it's doesn't it's make any dark. sense
1: and
7: it's too, too yeah dark, it's and it's i don't know what's dark. going on
1: yeah so all the days it's run together
7: the it's the yeah. land of
1: eternal night it's fine we'll go through it we'll be okay we will get
2: through it <laughs> we're
7: all doing great
2: Yes, but what I do like about this time of year is I feel like we're all working on slowing down with our horses and getting back to those foundations. And this actually came from a listener asking about how do you enforce the um, change of lead for the canter? My guess is she's going with the flying lead change, but I thought it'd be kind of fun to break it down into a couple segments over the next few episodes. So Leandra, can you give us your best tips on what foundations do you need to have in place first before you start thinking about a flying lead change?
7: All right. Uh, so fundamentally, when I'm looking for the right pieces to start putting together a good canner, a good solid canner, because as a caveat to all of this, horses can canner fine on their own. It's usually the human element that introduces issues. And they can't can't refine on their own. Then we're looking at other things. So we're just assuming that in this scenario, the horse is otherwise healthy and not having physical limitations that are making it so that they just can't. And um, I'm kind of sidestepping from my original path, but a good way to look at that is you know how they move and turn out, or or if they want a lunge line. But let's say that you're going under saddle and you're trying to evaluate your horse. I'm first going to be looking for the fluidity in their shoulders and in their haunches and if they don't have that you're going to be having a harder time not only just in transitions but in them having the right balance in themselves not to mention when you add a rider in being able to pick up the correct lead so fundamentally i'm looking for looseness in the shoulders and haunches and some of that you can feel in your seat especially if you're used to kind of feeling for that But if you are trying to assess that and you're struggling to just feel it, then like with many, many other things, I like to start with lateral work. And when you're doing that under saddle and you're asking them to move off of their forehand and their hind end, being able to do little shoulder ends, what you're looking for is not just that they can do it, but also how they do it. And this concept of really being in tune with the horse's lateral movements are going to help you understand a lot of different things. And some of these things that you can assess from the ground as well, like which side is your horse dominant on. So just like people, horses are either left or right side dominant. And I've heard that most horses, if you were going to make generalizations, like most people or we tend to think are right-handed. So I've heard that most horses are left-handed, but there are a lot of different theories like that mares can sometimes be more right dominant in that sort of way. So just look and see what your horse is as far as their evenness. And horses tend to be more, uh, a little bit longer in their muscles on some side, uh, one side or another. And that can make it easier for them to bend. That can mean that their muscling is different and that can change your saddle fit. So it's kind of like you really have to start from the bottom and start to tune into all these little things that we're going to build on in building a proper canner so that we can do a proper lead change. So it's kind of like stacks on stacks on stacks of different things that we look at. So I like to start this on the ground looking at them Uh, on the lunge line or the long line, you can start noticing these little things about how your horse is built, how they use themselves and where those, uh, issues might be. And, um, again, as I like to do in a lot of different ways, we're going to take a a slight detour and I'll give you an anecdote about today when, uh, I was looking at a horse who has had some foot soreness, but who, when I threw a rider on, looked really off really off and in a way where i was going yikes what's going on with this horse and so i decided to have the rider get off and uh when we had the rider off his back he all of a sudden looked a lot better And I know some people like to raise the red flag and say, okay, this this is something, but what it really seems to be when you start palpating all around is he has super, super rigid shoulders, like ditches in his shoulders, like big old crevices and a lot of soreness and tension when you are palpating on either side of his spine, on his back. And, um, so these things like to sort of circle back to the canter element, we were looking at him at a trot and we could say, wow, something's really wrong. So what we were noticing was, okay, his muscles are really not loose enough. They don't have the suppleness. He's not ready to have balance or any sort of productive gait. So again, paying attention to how they're able to move. They're all four limbs and how they're putting that together. Because when they can't comfortably line those things up, you are not going to be able to have a direct line of communication with them because there's always going to be through energy flying out one direction or attention going elsewhere. So if we are really saying from the bottom up, we need to be building this proper canner so we can build the proper lead change, we have to also acknowledge how they're moving so that we can then have this direct line of communication. So start from the ground, work on lateral movements and where you find those sticky places is where you need to spend more time and energy, whether it's in carrot stretches and making sure that they have more balanced laterality, I like it. Is that a word? (laughs) It Um, is today. (laughs) Absolutely. And um, start to work on things like serpentines under saddle or on the ground and just the, the suppleness and the connection with all the different parts so that you can later put it all together. But really, it starts so much more fundamentally than people start to think about. So... You can do that with any sort of breed uh, from any place and sync up with your horse or get back to that place where you are paying attention to how all the pieces are moving separately. So then we can move on to putting it all together later on. I
2: love that. I think it's a good opportunity for those who, you know, poo-poo on dressage riders. This is your chance Mm -hmm. to shine, dressage riders. (laughs) The training scale is a really good place to start Mm So, like, okay, what do I need to hit? And it is that rhythm. It's the straightness, it's suppleness, it's willingness, like all those things coming together. Um, I know with my horse, I have not worked on flying lead changes because she gets so Mm -hmm. tight in her rib cage. We're still working on not bracing against my leg and starting to fall in. So that stamina, can you hold your canter and you feel good and you go through corners without losing momentum. Like, those are the things I like to look for. I'm like, okay, we're ready to go to the next step. So this is super validating for me because sometimes I'm like, yeah. oh, it's going so slow. And then I get discouraged. But hearing this is really motivating.
1: I also well, like the like to- uh, shout out to lateral work too, because oh, like yeah. from yeah. the Western perspective, like it from how much Lateral work we tend to do in the Western disciplines, to me, it always looks like the English disciplines do not focus on it enough, or at least not in a way that would set Mm -hmm. us up for success. So, you know, like, you know, on a Western lead change, all I'm doing is just laterally asking the horse to step the other way, ideally. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so if your horse is laterally broke in both leads, then you're pretty much good to go. Yeah, it's a really good foundation.
7: It it wasn't until I was taught to ride Western, and that was sort of like the fundamental work and sort of built on and did Gymkhana kind of stuff. But it wasn't until I was really focusing on those disciplines that I think that I really understood what collection was. But it's just funny because it really is. We give so much credit to the English disciplines, but it was Western disciplines that Mm -hmm. taught me to have the understanding and to have a totally different perspective on handiness and things like transitions started to have a totally different meaning being able to release that a horse on its hind end Uh, and that's all stuff that has fed into my training style and focus in even if I have an English saddle on but I think that that handiness absolutely um you know, they have to, they have to learn the same fundamental things. Any right. horse exactly. who is well-trained is going to have the same fundamental pieces mm-hmm. to some degree.
1: Yeah. And then at that point, it doesn't matter what saddle you put on it. You know, a broke exactly. horse is a broke horse. So yeah, yeah, as a former it, yeah.
2: Western writer, I highly encourage cross training. It just makes mm-hmm. you a more functional writer long-term.
7: Right. And it's kind of like with clinics, like what's the worst that happens? Like you hear something that you don't agree with and you don't bring that information home, but mm-hmm. like on the flip side of things, you could learn something that totally changes your perspective and you could grow from it.
1: And yeah. that's what horse training is. You pick the bits and pieces from everybody that works and you make it your own. So. Exactly. Oh, I love it. I'm super excited to keep
2: building on this series, but we do need to feature our adoptable horse of this week. And that is instinct. Tell us a little bit about, about this very cute mare. Oh my God, Leandra!
7: <laughs> yeah. This horse I tempting knew Kristen, <laughs> tempting all of us. <laughs> I love instinct. So with her barn name Bugsy, which I will also candidly say that we also just call her Stinky sometimes because <laughs> instinct Stinky it kind of flows like little stink bug, and I just love her. So she's a twenty twenty one mare, and she's so. Stinking cute, right? We could say that little plant words there. Um, but she also is coming to us with just having had a knee chip removed, it was surgically removed, so she's kind of good to go and doesn't have any known limitations. And so at this point, she's a totally clean slate. She is barefoot and very easy in the way that she eats and the way that she handles, and just basically everything about her. So for us, it's really been about getting to know her personality because she started a little bit shyer and she was kind of quiet, but we've just seen her really bloom into a wonderful, beautiful prospect that has shown us um, some really lovely movement, both when she is at Liberty and then with a rider on and she has a very carefree style and attitude. Um, I think that she is the type of horse who grows very incrementally. So she... It remembers and builds on experiences, which is a really, really valuable quality to have in a horse and makes her a prospect for basically... I mean, so so many different directions that she could go. And she's still growing, so she needs time. But she has such a sweet, cuddly-type personality. You just want to like squeeze her all the time. She's so cute. And I'm really excited to see what she develops into. So... She is looking for her person. We have our adoption fee special going on right now. And there is truly no better time to adopt from us than now. So definitely check out her profile at horseadoption.com as well as any of the other lovely horses that we have up online at this point because they are flying out of these dolls. Oh,
4: I can I imagine. Her
1: little face. Like at every picture, she's like her little ears are up. Her little eyes are focused. She's like, hello.
2: She's got that like
1: Barbie horse vibe.
2: She's very cute.
7: You know, it's like everybody looks at their eye and what she should, because it's like a window to their soul, of course. But it's like, look at her eye in these pictures. And she's just like, hello, are you looking at me? Every I'm, single like that's her all the time. Oh God, she just ears. is like, <laughs> like Hello, real, real talk."
2: I'm sending her link <gasps> to my trainer right now because we're shopping. So I'm like,
1: "Yes." <laughs> Ooh, added bonus! I snuck a little peek at her Equibase page. She was a hundred and fifty thousand dollar yearling purchase. So y'all, this okay. uh thirty five hundred dollar adoption fee is a steal. And then you can is tell everybody is? that your horse probably costs more than their imported warm blood. And yeah, I know, I mean, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be about rights, like oh my yes. god, yeah, this thing is bred. She is
5: she's lovely. bred
2: really, really well. She's built well, and I love like she's just got nice forward momentum as she's trotting mm-hmm. around in these videos. Like she's so soft on her feet. It looks like she just floats. Like she looks. She never well, touches the ground.
7: Make sure you look at her at Liberty video and full disclosure. I hadn't even like groomed her going into this because we didn't think we'd be getting a video. So she's got like little mud spots and stuff on her. That's entirely my fault. But I was so enamored by her. I was like, we have to capture this. She's so cute. She kept going over all the polls by herself with no prompting, like we just let them kind of like go loose, and we'll ask them to move up to a um, the higher speed, you know, to get a little bit of trot, mm-hmm. a little bit of canter in these videos. And she just was like, "You want me to do these polls? Oh, sure. she's so she precious over them, and she just is like, "I'll do this. This seems fun." And I was just like, "Look at her." I also
1: like in that Liberty video, she has like distinctive gears of trot. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, she's like, here's Mm -hmm. my working trot, here is my extended trot, and now back to working again. I was like, whoa, I think she would be a lovely (laughs) little girl. Yeah,
7: she could do anything,
1: Uh, literally, could do anything. Like, yes, Yes. yeah. And she's 15, three as a two year old, so she might get a little bit Mm -hmm. bigger too, but she that's the perfect
7: size. Perfect size for anybody, and mm-hmm. she—it's that you know—it's the whip too. Like you know, just looking at lots of different horses, like she has a nice depth to her, where she's not really fine boned. Yes, she's young, but she has good bone, and she has a good solid shoulder. She's got a good solid haunch, and she's built pretty correct. So it—you just—it's like she she really could go in any direction.
2: And she's eligible for the 2024 thoroughbred makeover, which is why I texted her to my trainer. Mm -hmm. We'll see. We'll see. But if someone else beats us, they're going to get a really, really nice
7: mare. You just, you have to look at the picture where she's kind of looking over her shoulder. She's kind of looking back and it's just, it's, she's so precious. She's just so precious. She's going to be, she's
1: going to turn into a really big bodied horse. I think Mm -hmm. she's going to have that warm blood
2: look. And yeah, she's going to be great. I know we mentioned that we're recording ahead of time, but the adoption special is still going to be going on by the time you're hearing this on Christmas day. So if you got some Christmas money if mom and dad are there and want to support you getting a horse who's ever listening, this is the time to do it. Check them out, get your applications in. And we hope that instinct gets her perfect home. I secretly hope it's at my barn. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, thank you, Leandra. We appreciate you spending this time with us. And we hope that you and your family have a very merry holiday.
7: Well, thank you very much. And to you all as well. And as usual, thank you for having me.
1: Well, one more time to all of our listener family. Happy, happy holidays. We appreciate you guys so, so much. We hope you're having a lovely and relaxing December. And we can't wait to be back at it again in 2024 with plenty of new content. We never stop with the content around here. You can find our show notes and links to today's guests on the website at horseradionetwork.com. Like us on Facebook and Instagram, just search for Retired Racehorse Radio. You can follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. You can find me on Instagram at The Horseback and on Twitter at Kristen Kovach. My email is kbentley at the rrp.org.
2: You can find me on Instagram at misfitmare and my email is joy at horseradionetwork.com. Thank you so much to our sponsors, Kentucky Performance Products and Cashel Company and to our partners, New Vocations Resource Adoption Program and the Retired Resource Project. Don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network part of Equine Network at horseradionetwork.com. Remember to set your goals high and love to learn from every ride. And add more leg. Happy New Year's guys.